The one thing that we need to remember from chapter 7 is that all those eyes. You remember I, 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 I want to do good, but I don't do good. I, I want to do right, but I don't want to do right. And it's no longer me and that does it, but it's sin that dwells in me. And so the problem is you and I, we still live in this, they call it the already not yet. I don't know if that probably ain't going to help you none, but already we are victorious. Already we are conquerors. Already we're new creatures in Christ. Already the kingdom of God has come and it's we've, we're part of it. But there's a not yet part as well because we still live in the flesh. We still, we still have to battle with sin every day. We still have to... There's a... There's a hey, Dinah. She's been here. She's been... I saw her come in, but it's all good. Hey, Dana. Here's Michelle. Hey, Michelle. Michelle was y'all talking together? No, we were on coffee, weren't we? Yeah, we did have a shortage of coffee there. But, so this chapter 8 is probably, it's hard for me to say it's like one of the most important chapters because all scripture is important. But this is, it's one of the, it's one of the, it's one of the most important for you to understand and even memorize, you know, for your Christian life. And that's why we're going to go real, real slow. I'm probably going to, I'll probably cut it into four parts. That way we can get each part in it and then put them back together and make it whole. I don't know if you've noticed or not, but up until in, from chapter one in Romans up to chapter seven, the Holy Spirit has been mentioned only once. In all those chapters, it's been, you know, telling you who you are in Christ and all those kind of things. Now we're starting to talk about Christian living. And in the last chapter, it mentioned I, 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 I. But here in this section, this first half, you know, we'll get part of it today and the rest of it next week. But in this first, in this chapter, Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is mentioned like over 20 times. And so the focus is... On walking in the spirit, living in the spirit. How do we live by the spirit? How do we how do we uh, how do we live the Christian life by the Holy Spirit? And so, what we're going to see is what we're going to see is that you, when you or anybody tries to live this Christian life in your own flesh, in your own power, in your own strength, you ultimately end up failing every time. You ultimately end up like like Paul was in chapter 7. Have you ever felt like that? Like, I tried but I can't and now I done messed up again and now I got to start over. Now now I'm really going to do it this time and then you mess up again and you just... Uh, that's trying in your own strength. But when we when we do it by the Spirit... Um, this is what we're gonna we're gonna see what it does, what how it functions in our life and and how we walk in it. Um, the one thing before we start that I need you to see is that this is not something. What I'm not I'm not gonna tell you rules and regulations as to what you should do in order to walk in the Spirit. You have to number one, number two, number three. You know, that's not what this is. What this is is a declaration of what God has done in you and what the Spirit has done in you. And if this, if the Spirit is not in you, I mean, we'll see it right here. If if any man hath not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So what we're going to see is this is the new... But that'd be a bad way to put it too. This is God's... In the new covenant, what God has done for you and in you so that you can fulfill the law of God in your life. Does that make sense? Y'all lying. That don't make sense. That didn't make sense to me. Let's just start and then we'll, go, we'll do it. Okay? It says, now the last thing, somebody read, if you got your Bible open, read the last verse in chapter 7. So we'll get that because there's a therefore in, the in verse 1. I thank God for Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind myself, with the mind I myself serve the law of God. But with the flesh, with, but with the flesh the law of sin. Okay. 
Alright, so all that chapter 7, if you weren't here, the audio is on the internet, you can listen to it. If uh, all that in chapter 7 was talking about, I want to do right, but I don't do right. I do what I hate, uh, but the Spirit is inside of me, and the Spirit has made me desire to do God's law. And then it, it all culminated at the end. He said, I, I'm not going to depend on I anymore. It said, who will deliver me from this body of death? And he said, thanks be to God, the last verse, thanks be to God that Jesus Christ has delivered me. He said, now with this body of with this body of flesh I serve the law of sin but with I myself my mind what's the true me like what makes me me that don't make sense either like if I cut you open if I cut you open a doctor if I, not me but if a doctor cuts you open he couldn't find what makes you you, you know what I mean? Like your personality, your past experiences, your emotions. Like you can't find that with a scalpel and a map to you. You know, if he dissected your brain, he wouldn't be able to tell like what your personality. What makes you, you, God has changed when he saved you to desire the law of God. And your body desires the law of sin. So there's a constant struggle going on, right? So here's the answer to the struggle. It says, now, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Now, immediately you ask, what does that mean to walk after the flesh, after the Spirit? Just hold that question because he's going to answer it down here. Okay? So, understand what he's saying. There is, there is a constant war going on. The war is between your flesh and the war is between... The new spirit that's inside of you that desires God's law. But remember we ended last week and I told you that the, the battle is evidence that the victory has already been won. Like we don't have to worry like I've got to make sure that the spirit wins out otherwise I'm going to die and go to hell. Or I have to, I have to make sure that the spirit wins you know, this battle that's going on in my life because that's how I'm going to get to heaven. No, the ba- battle itself is the evidence that you already have the victory because lost people... They don't have no battle going on. They, they love to do what they love to do. They, as long as it pleases them or do, does right by them, they can care less about God's law. You can see it over and over again. Even in religious people, they'll say, you know, I know the Bible says that that's, you know, but, you know, that's, the Bible's written a long time ago, and it just don't. You can see they love what they call God. But they don't love the true God. They hate the true God. You see, my God, uh, I, I once had a couple in my um, in the office in there, and they, she was like, they were getting a divorce, and huh? Well, it's not my Bible. That's what I do. I stand on the word right here. But uh, what? And she was like, she was like. Uh, I think, you know, my God wouldn't send anybody to hell because he's a loving God. Y'all ever heard that before? You know, somebody said, right, well, that's right. Your God wouldn't because your God doesn't exist. You made him up in your mind. You know, they will love what they call a God, but they won't love the true God that's holy and just and righteous and sent his son to die for you on the cross. Um, So the battle that goes on only goes on in the life of somebody who's been changed. Now that, it kind of don't seem fair. How many of you, can you think about like when you were first saved and of course everything was new and it was all good, but very soon after that you felt like, well, all of a sudden I'm running into all these problems. I'm not being who I want to be and all this trouble is coming and maybe people don't like me and my family don't want to be around me anymore and blah, blah. It's just one thing after the other. That's the war that goes on. So all the people that come into, the, into, into Christ and they think, well, this is just going to be roses and candy and, and flowers and it's going to be great for the rest of my life and God's going to give me a limousine and a brand new house and all that. They're sorely mistaken because Jesus said, that in this life you will have trouble. He said, but I've overcome it. So this is going to show us the victory that we've already won, even though the battle is still going on within us. It says, there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. We're going to talk about after the flesh and spirit in just a minute. Okay, so it's saying, listen, think about that for a minute. No condemnation. 
There's no condemnation. That means that, means that there will never be a time... If you are a Christian, if you're saved, if you're born again, there never will be a time that God the Father will punish you for your sin. Have you ever thought about it that way? Like, sometimes I still feel like I'm walking around on eggshells like God's going to get me. You know, God's going to get me if I, if I don't, you know. Now, God will discipline you like a father will discipline his child. So if you go off into the, I'm going to do whatever I want, God may yank your chain. He may take you behind the woodshed. He may, he may, but it's never for punishment. It's always corrective. Does that make sense? Like it's never just I am punishing you for your sin like a judge would punish you for your crime. It's always I'm trying to bring you back to righteousness. And this may hurt a little bit, but I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to seek the dogs on you to bring you back to me. You see what I mean? Not for justice. Right, it's for love. That's a good way to put it. It's it's out of love, not for justice. Justice has already been satisfied. Okay, so there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ. And of course, we have who, who walking after the flesh. We'll get to that in a second. But the one thing that we will always battle is. In, in scripture, Satan is called the accuser. He's called the, the deceiver, the one who will bring an accusation against you. We'll even see that later on in chapter 8. What is the difference between condemnation and conviction? Like the Holy Spirit will convict you of your sin, but he will never condemn you because there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ. What's the difference? Punishment. Punishment? But how do you like, if I'm, if I'm walking down the road and I, I'm not experiencing no punishment, I'm just, all this is going on in my mind, there's a battle going on in my flesh, there, you know, there, there's something inside of me, how can I tell the difference if I'm experiencing condemnation or conviction? Everything. Like, if you discipline your kid, let's say, let's, let's do a little experiment here. Let's say, let's say... Jacob slapped some girl in high school, okay? And he's in trouble at school. They done did all they're going to do at school. And now I'm going to punish him when he gets home. I'm going to do my deal as a dad. What would be the first thing that you would do to your child? You'd talk to him. What would you say? Just put yourself in that position. Okay. You'd explain to him what was going on, why he's getting in trouble, and then you would give him the terms of what he had to do. You know, I'm going to grab you to your room. I'm going to take away your stuff. I'm going to whip you. I'm going to do whatever it is I do. That's the difference between condemnation and conviction. When you sin as a believer, and this is very important, when you sin as a believer, the Holy Spirit will convict you. It will say, you know, son, this is what you've done wrong. And this is what you need to do to fix it. And because of that, you know, this is going on. These are the consequences. You know, it'll say, you know, you talked ugly to your wife. Therefore, you need to repent. You need to go tell her you're sorry. And then you need to move on. That's, that's conviction. It'll tell you what you did wrong. Tell you how to fix it. Okay. Condemnation, what? Yo, I was using that as an example because I talked ugly to my wife last night. So, condemnation, on the other hand, will say, you, it just you just suck, you suck, you ain't worth nothing, you'll never be a good husband, you'll never be a good father, you'll never be a good employee, you'll never, you'll never measure up to what God wants for you, you'll never be... I mean, you'll never, you, you, it just, it's focusing on you. Can you imagine, imagine, especially you with kids or you that, you know, have sisters or brothers, can you imagine disciplining a child and just walking in and not telling them what they did wrong, just saying, you're so stupid, I can't believe you, I mean, you're never going to amount to any, just hitting them with, you are this and you are that and you are that, never telling them what they did wrong and then leaving the room. You're grounded for three weeks, dummy, and then leaving the room, right? Can you imagine that? I mean, even, even evil people don't treat their children like that. But sometimes we think that's how God deals with us. I mean, because we accept that condemnation. 
the, our flesh rises up against us. Satan accuses us. He tells, you know, you're just never going to do it. You're never going to amount to anything. You're a sorry wife. You're a sorry husband. You're a sorry... I mean, con- we accept it. Condemnation, you know. It's just condemning me, condemning me, condemning me. And on the flip side, of course, we also know that there's no condemnation in God's eyes for us. You know, like... There's no way that a born-again believer indwelt by the Spirit who Christ has paid for their sin can be condemned by God. I mean, can you imagine God the Father saying, well, I know Jesus died for you and that you put your trust in Him and that He saved you, but I, you know what, I'm going to make an exception. I'm going to boot you in this case and just let you go. It's not going to happen. God is a just God. He's, I mean, it's, there's, there's absolutely no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You understand? So we, but we accept it. You're right. I'm not going to be a good daddy. I'm not going to be a good father. I'll never do anything right. I stink. I ain't going to. That's condemnation. The Holy Spirit will convict you. It'll say, this is what you've done wrong. This is how you fix it. So there's no condemnation to them which are in Christ. And this is why. Remember we talked about the law. It's working in our members, trying to get me to sin, trying to get me to do these things. Well, now there's a new law. Because we've been born again, it says, for the law of the spirit of life. Uh, if, if, I was, if I was translating that, I would say the law of the living spirit, like the spirit of life in you. You know, the law of the living spirit. It has made me free in Christ. It's made me free in Christ from the law of sin and death. So the reason there is no condemnation, because there's a new law now acting, because I've been born again, the law of the spirit of life in Christ, this new law has made me free from the law of sin and death. So I'm no longer subject to that law. I'm no longer subject to sin. I'm, remember we, in chapter 6, we said sin shall not have dominion over you. And I'm no longer subject to death. Jesus said, if you believe in me, that you'll never die. You'll just change. I mean, he didn't say you'll change addresses, but that's what I'm saying. You'll just change addresses. Okay? So the reason there's no condemnation is because there's a new law in believers. It's not just, it's not just flesh trying to keep the law. It's not just working for it, working as hard as you can just to please God, just to keep his law. It's not that anymore. Now there's a new law. And that's a living spirit that lives inside of you because God has placed his spirit in you to change you from the inside. So all this that we're going to see is that now we live after God. We live for God. We desire to serve God, desire to love God, not because it's our duty and we're trying to keep the law and we know we got to do it what's right, but because there's a living spirit inside of us that causes us to desire. So when we do obey, we're obeying from the heart. Does that make sense? So you're not just obeying to obey and you know this is right and God's I guess my duty and I gotta keep the commandments and all that kind of stuff. Now, because the Spirit has changed your heart, you're obeying from the heart. And that's true obedience. It's the only true obedience. So Christ has made us free from the law of sin and death. This is how, because what the law could not do, and that it was weak through the flesh, what could the law not do because it was weak through the flesh? Yeah, it couldn't save you. It couldn't redeem you. It couldn't bring you to God. The law could not do it because your flesh could not keep it. See what I mean? In order to in order for the law to bring you to God, you would have, have to you'd have to obey it perfectly from the day you were born to the day you died. And James says if you fail in any point in the law, you failed in the whole thing. So that's some pretty high standards. It says, so what the law could not do, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh condemns sin in the flesh. So God condemns sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh. I love that. It says, for you, there is no condemnation, but God condemns sin in your flesh. So you see how, remember last week we talked about there was a distinction between me, what really makes me me, the I, and the flesh that's in my members, the sin that is in my members that's trying to get me to do things I don't want to do and all those kind of things. Well, God, there's now no condemnation 
for those that are in Christ, but the condemnation has been given. It was just given to the sin that dwells in my flesh. And it was done through Him sending His own Son in the likeness of that same flesh. And all that condemnation was poured out on Christ instead of me. You with me? You with me, Crystal? Tell me the truth. So, you just had like a... What are you talking about? Look on your face. So, it says... It says... And that's okay. I can explain it a different way. In the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemns sin in the flesh. I don't know why that strikes me as so neat, but for me, the true me... the so my, you feel protected in that You know, it's, a, it's a protection. It's like God's really part. He said, okay, you're protected here. Now, I'm, I'm going to kill all... This that has yeah. kept you from me for so long. Yeah, the condemnation that was meant for me, I no longer experienced because it was poured all out on my sin in Jesus Christ, in my flesh. Okay? And the result, the result, here's where, here's where we'll probably stop here for a second because verses 1, 2, 3, and 4 tell us what we need to know. And five through the rest of what we're going to look at today are just explaining verses one, two, three, four. Okay? So, this is what we really need to know. There's no condemnation because there's a new law that has entered. Spirit has entered. And it says what the law couldn't do, God condemns sin in the flesh. And it says, and this is the result, that the righteousness, if I was translating it, it would say the requirements. Because... The kaiosune is righteousness. This is, it's a different word, it doesn't matter. That the, re- righteousness, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us. That we would be able to keep the command. We would be able to obey, to really obey. Not just to go and do our duty in the, in the law and all that kind of stuff, but to actually obey from the heart. It says that the requirements of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. In the Spirit of Christ, as it lives in us, the Spirit of God, we are able to fulfill the requirement of the law, which is obedience from the heart. Do I, do I mean, oh, now that now you're perfect? and you No, that's not what I mean. What I mean is... Um, okay, take example. Thou shalt not commit adultery, right? Okay. If all of us in here were lost, but none of us had ever cheated on our spouse, I would say, who has kept the law, thou shalt not commit adultery? And we would all say, oh, I've kept it. But is that true? No, because Jesus said, remember, the intent of the law was your heart. And it says, you have heard it said of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say to you that a man that looks at a woman with lust in his heart has committed adultery in his heart. So actually, you would say, yes, I've kept the law, but really you hadn't kept the law. You couldn't keep the law because your flesh wouldn't allow you to keep the law because to keep the law, you'd have to do it from the heart. It would have to be a heart obedience. It's not just a, okay, I'm not going to do that, you know, even though I really, 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 really want to, you know, I'm not going to do that. But now in the Spirit, from the Spirit, the power that the Spirit gives you, you can keep the law from your heart. Okay? That makes sense? Like, so now you would say, now instead of, uh, I'm just using this as an example, now instead of just Googling, you know, some lady and saying, you know, well, I ain't commit adultery, it's okay, I'm just looking, you know, and just, uh, you know, instead of doing that, you realize the Spirit has convicted your heart, and you say, well, I, I, I got I to turn away. You know, I got to turn away. I can't, that's sin, and I just can't, I can't look at it. I don't want to think about it. You know, your thoughts and your heart, they become part of this obedience, and that's obedience that comes from the Spirit of God, not just your flesh. If I obey in the flesh, that means I, I, I just don't do it. You know, I can think whatever I want. I can do whatever, but I don't just actually go and commit the act. But obedience 
gifts from the Spirit involves your mind and your heart and your inner man, your your soul. You know, it, does that make sense? I'm kind of rambling. So it's like just to change your heart. Yeah, it's exactly what it is. It's the new law of the Spirit has entered into you and has changed your heart so that now you desire to love the law, to keep the law, to do the law, to serve God. And matter of fact, it's going to tell us down here that if that desire is not present within you, that means you're not a believer. And that, sometimes that's a hard truth. So it says that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. And it's going to tell us five through 11. We'll go through quick and then we'll discuss it a little bit because these are explaining why. These are explaining why, why is this, this, why is, why is, how are we walking after flesh or walking after spirit? It says, for they that are after the flesh, it's explaining what it means to walk after the flesh or to walk after the spirit, because that's confusing. I want to know what it means to walk after the flesh or walk after the spirit. It says, for they that are after the flesh, they do mind or set their mind or have the mindset on the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. What it's doing is talking about you are my, what your mind is set on, what your focus is on, your worldview, how you look at things is the indication of whether you are walking after the spirit or walking after the flesh. Um, a good example would be uh, the man who, you know, the, the things of the flesh are talking about just sinful proclivities. It's talking about independence from God. I'm doing my own thing. Not necessarily talking about axe murdering and, and killing babies and robbing banks and that kind of stuff, but just independence from God. I'm going to do what I want to do. And everything that I do is about me getting enjoyment from it. You know, I do what I do just because I want to do it. And I, you know, I, nothing else factors into it. But if you're walking out after the Spirit, you are being led by the Spirit of God to follow God and to obey God and to love God and to cherish God and to do all those things. All the things that we've seen. Remember in Romans chapter 3? There's no one that seeks after God. No one that understands that. There was none of us who did that. And the Spirit of God came into us. And if there is a if there's a desire in you, a heartfelt desire, a longing for God, a longing not just to get stuff from God, but to love God and be in relationship with God and serve God and do those things, that's because the Spirit put it there. You didn't come up with it. You didn't manufacture it. You didn't, you didn't work up to it. The Spirit of God put it there. So what happens is the Spirit has changed you to mind the, or set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Y'all with me? All this is talking about now, remember chapter 7 was I'm doing it. I'm going to do it. I'm going to keep the law. I'm going to do good. And it didn't work. Paul was like, I try to do and I can't do. And who's going to deliver me? But chapter 8 here is showing us that the Spirit of God has done it in you. He has come into you when you were saved, and He is the one spurring you to keep the law. He is the one spurring you to follow after God. He is the one leading you. And it's going to say down here, it says, if it, well, not here, but down here when we get to next week, it's going to say, if any man is not led by the Spirit, he's not a son of God. Well, so it's saying... Yeah, they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. And then it, it, it explains, carnally means flesh. It's the same word, sarks. Flesh, carnal. The mind of the flesh is what carnal mind. The carnal minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Okay, remember Paul's mind? Remember Paul's mind when he was trying to do it in his own flesh? I can't do this. I try, but I hate. I do what I hate, and I I don't do what I love. And who's going to deliver me from this body of death? The end of that is death. You live in death, and then finally is eternal death because you cannot complete it in your your. You cannot fulfill God's obligation. You cannot love God outside of the Spirit of God residing in you. Spiritually minded is life. And it's peace. Why is it peace, you think? 
Nobody? To be spiritually minded? Huh? Yeah, that's right. Who said that? Oh, it was Rebecca. I was looking right here like, where'd that voice come from? (laughs) That's exactly right. Because there's no more condemnation. There's no more war between you and God. It's peace. And it's not only peace, it's that's objective peace. There is peace between me and God. But there's also a peace inside of you knowing that, hey, there's no more war between me and God. There's no more condemnation for me. And when when the accuser comes and tries to bring condemnation, I refuse, just refuse. You're so stupid, you're never gonna do anything. Yeah, shut up. That's not from God. That's not from God. So I don't have to... I, what are you laughing at? Huh? Come on, tell me. I tell stuff to shut up in my head all the time. <laughs> okay. All right. The carnal mind, it says, why is the carnal mind death? Because the carnal mind, mind of the flesh, is enmity against God. What does enmity mean? Hate. means hatred. Now does... Did you hate God before you were saved? Huh? It's a trick question. Yeah, you probably didn't think you did. But you did. You hated the true God. The real God. Now, you didn't hate the fuzzy God that you made up in your mind. You know, like, if my God, you know, if my God, if I love pornography... Then my God is okay with pornography. He's all right, you know. Everybody does it. It's okay, right? Or if my God, you know, ladies, if 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 you love envying other people's stuff, like you need to go shopping or something, you know, or, or God's okay with that, you know, it's all right because you know it's just part of who we are and stuff. So everybody has this picture of even the people who say they love God, they don't love the true God because the carnal mind is is death because the carnal mind is enmity against God for it is not subject that means it doesn't obey it doesn't subject itself to the law of God neither can it it can't do so it's impossible for the carnal mind to subject itself to the law of God you remember what Paul was saying in chapter 7 I really really want to but I can't the things that I do the things that I hate are the things that I do and the things that I don't want to do are the things that I end up doing. And so it cannot subject itself to the law of God. Even when you obey outwardly, if it's not from the heart, it's not obedience. Right? God, Jesus uh, in Isaiah says that all your righteousness is like filthy rags. So, I mean, think about, think about this for a second. Now, I'm probably guilty of this one. Um... Your neighbor has something going on. What's a good something going on? Man, I don't know. And you go to help him because you think it's your, I'm his neighbor, it's my duty to help him, I need to help him. Is that obedience to the law? When it says, it says, okay, that's not a good example. Yeah, you done it because I'm supposed to do it. You done it because that's what's expected of me. That's not obedience. The, the, it says to love your neighbor as you love yourself. And that comes from the heart. It doesn't matter if you're baking a cake for him or if you're helping him cut his grass or whatever thing. Most of the time, and look, this, this, is really, this is really wild. Most of the time, we do what we do because of selfishness. Have you ever thought about this? Like, think about this for a second. Let's say, let's say you got a baby at home, right? Your neighbor has got a baby at home. Like, did I say like already? I did say that, okay. And something happens, their baby gets sick, it dies, and of course you're sad for them and everything, but way down in the deep back of your mind, it's not that, oh, I love them and I want, you know, I'm so sad for them. It's, it's man, that could happen to me. 
that could happen to me. What, man, what if that would have happened to me? How would I handle that? And the, so you go and you pour out your, your affection on them. Let me bake them a cake. Let me go and console them and everything. But the whole time, you're thinking, oh, man, I can't imagine what I'd do if that was me. What if it was me? You know, man, I'm glad. And then way down in there, you're like, I'm glad it wasn't me, you know. So it's not actually. We, when you do, when you obey the law with the wrong motive, are you really obeying the law? Now, some of y'all are looking at me like, oh no, I've done that, and does that make me a bad person? I'm telling you, in our flesh, we can't do anything. It's by the Spirit of God that changes us, that causes us to love them, where you can, you can console them, and you have empathy on them, and you, you, you can do that just because you love them. You know, when they hurt, I hurt. It's as simple as that. When they hurt, I hurt. When they're happy, I'm happy. You know, that's what, that's what loving is. That makes sense? Are y'all with me? Am I confusing you? I'm confusing me, I think. Okay, carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, neither can it be. It cannot obey God, not the true God. So then, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. That's kind of scary, isn't it? Can you think about that? When you were in the flesh, there was nothing that you ever did that pleased God. Nothing. No matter how good it was, no matter how many people you helped, no matter what you did, it says they that are in the flesh cannot, literally are not able to please God. You, the person who's in the flesh, cannot please God. He can't do enough good. He can't pray enough. He can't go to church enough. He can't help people enough. He can't be a good enough person. He can't do any of those things that will please God. Not a single thing he has ever done in his life, not one, has ever pleased God. Over in Hebrews it says, without faith it's impossible to please God. You can't do it. So all that chapter 7 where it's I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that and I want to do it. In our own flesh, in our own power, in our own strength, you cannot please God with any work that you can possibly muster. Now, that's kind of scary feeling, isn't it? To know that in our own flesh, the ones who are in the flesh, it's talking about lost people, the ones that are in the flesh can't please God. But it makes it that much more beautiful to realize that now there is now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ. So those of us who are in Christ, we have the Spirit. And by that Spirit that we are led by and that walk after, we can please God. And we can please God not because we're so great, not because we're so awesome, not because we just got it going on, but because God Himself loved us enough to send His Son and to give us His Spirit. Y'all with me? By with me? That's scary, ain't it? Dun, dun, dun. No, I'm just kidding. Okay. They that are in the flesh cannot please God. And here's the thing, though. Here's the thing. But you, who is you? Satan. You. <laughs> uh, is you? It says, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If what? The Spirit of God dwells in you. Can you be saved without the Spirit of God dwelling in you? Absolutely not. I mean, that's a no-brainer. The Bible couldn't be more clear about that. So, the people who are in the flesh are who? Lost people. And the people that are in the Spirit are who? The saved people. And why is it, does it mean like, oh, I'm in the spirit, you know? No. In the spirit, walking after the spirit means that God's spirit lives in me and it dwells in me. And it is telling me, it is leading me to, to love God. The reason, the reason saved people, and I have a hard time getting this across. If a person has not been changed to love God, to desire God, to want to serve God, want to follow God, want to be in relationship with God, however you want to put it. If that person has not been changed, then that person has not been born again. 
It's as simple as that. So many, you'd be, I mean, you would be absolutely shocked at, especially teenagers, because that's, that's kind of who I work with more than anybody. But teenagers have grown up in church think, because I, all I have to do is make the statement. You know, I'm a sinner. I want to go to heaven. God forgive me. I believe in Jesus. If, as long as I make the statement, I'm good. It doesn't matter what I do now. Doesn't matter how I live. Doesn't matter, you know, what I think. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter at all. As long as I walk down the aisle, as long as I get baptized, as long as I do the deal, I'm good. Here, it's showing us that you cannot please God. You cannot live the Christian life. You cannot do anything that's going to uh, result in you serving God and loving God and growing closer to God and all those things without the Spirit of God dwelling in you. So what what this is all saying right here is that what he could not do in chapter 7, remember? I could not, I can't do what I want to do, I can't do what I want to do. The Spirit of God has accomplished for me. And it lives in me. So now I walk different, and I talk different, and I act different, and I think different. And all these things are different. So when it says, who walk after the flesh, not after the Spirit, I don't want you to think like there's some magic formula, like we're going to... Well, you know, you got to do this and this and this, and then now you'll be walking in the Spirit. And if you don't do this, this, and this, then now you're going to be walking in the flesh. Are there times when the flesh takes over? Yeah. yeah. Are there times when the Spirit wars against the flesh? We've already, we already talked about that. It's going to be a war the whole time. So we're not talking about all of a sudden I'm floating around in the Spirit and I'm perfect and I don't sin no more. What we're talking about is the Spirit of God lives in me, and it's causing me to keep his commandments, causing me to love him, causing me to do those things. So then they, they that are in the flesh cannot please God. You are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you. Now here's, just in case you missed that, it says, now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. So that just makes sure you know, we're talking about lost folk. We're talking about if you, if you are in the flesh, not, but not in the spirit, and you don't have the Spirit in you, it says you, you don't belong to Him. There is no doubt that it is through when you cannot be born again. Born again is just not jumping out of the line going to hell and getting into the line going to heaven. Okay? It's being transformed on the inside by God. It's being made a new creature where you love the things that you once hated. Remember? The mindset on the flesh is enmity against God. It hates God. Well, now, through the Spirit, it changes your heart. So now it's no longer hatred against God. You love God. You remember Paul in the last chapter, he said, I love God's law, and I really, really want to do it. But the more I try, the more I fail. The more I want to do what's right. That is a Spirit-led transformation that has taken place where you now, I want to do God's law. I love to do. Have you ever heard Brother Eddie say, it's not about, you're not lost because you don't come to church. you lost because you don't want to come to church. So you've heard him say that a bunch. Well, that's the deal. Coming to church ain't going to make you saved. But only being saved will, have, will put a desire in you to want to be around other believers. To want, and you need, I mean, you need it to grow. And it's not always a good thing. You know what I mean? Like the, the fruits of the Spirit are what? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Most of those fruits, in order for them to grow, some morons got to tick you off. You know what I mean? Patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. How are you going to grow in them if you ain't got somebody that you need to show some patience with? You know what I mean? So it's not all about, oh, we're all just angels here and it's going to be, you know, there's going to be conflict. There's going to be people step on your toes. People say stupid things and you're going to have to grow in your patience, kindness, self-control. It, that's what we're here for. So it says, if, if he has not the spirit of Christ, he's none of his. And it says, but if Christ be in you, this is our hope. If Christ be in you, the body that you live in is dead because of sin. You still live in the flesh. Not going to be perfect. We're not talking about perfection. We're talking about direction. It says, but the spirit, where am I at? But the spirit is life because of righteousness. So 
if, if you've been saved and the Spirit has entered you, your body is still subject to sin. It's still subject to flesh. It's still able to follow the flesh if it wants to, if you, if you let it. But you have a new spirit inside of you that desires something that you didn't desire before. And that's to go after God and to please God and to follow God and to serve God and do all those things. And now, it's not all tiptoe through the tulips and let's just all be happy and kumbaya, my Lord. It's a battle going on between your flesh and the spirit that lives inside of you. And then it says, but if the spirit of him that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you... He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken. Uh, quicken means make alive. Quicken means make alive. Your, your mortal bodies, this mortal is a, it's a cognate of the word death. So your dying bodies maybe. Your mortal bodies by his spirit which dwells in you. Okay? So what it's saying is, listen, you've got a battle on your hands. You've got a struggle on your hands right now. But you need to understand that although your body's dead because of sin, although you're still in the flesh and you're still in this wicked world and you're still going inside of you, the spirit is giving you life and you have victory already. Not only that, what a hope that you have that look, if, if this spirit that we're talking about dwells in you, this, this is the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And if this spirit dwells in you, guess what? It's going to raise you from the dead. So, so there's coming a day when everything's going to be made right. There's going to come a day when all things are going to be turned back around to the way they were supposed to be. There's going to be no more sin, no more death, no more parting, no more dying. We're going to get to see all our loved ones. We're going to get to, we're going to, get to see Jesus face to face. We're going to get to do all the things. You know, it's just going to be absolute perfection in life. There'll be no more sin. No more nothing like that. And it's going to be real life. We'll do a thing on heaven before too long. It's not about clouds floating around in the sky and, you know, strumming a harp with angel wings and all that bull mess. It's going to be like, it's going to be real life. It's going to be like, I'm standing here and I'll be me and I'll be standing there. And there'll be jobs to do. There'll be work. There'll be, it'll be just like it was made to be in the Garden of Eden. You know, when, when, when Adam and Eve were first created, it'll, be a, it'll revert right back to that. Adam had a job. We'll have jobs. We'll serve God. He'll be in the midst of us. We'll live in the city with him. We'll, I mean, it'll be real life. It'll be, re- I'll reach out and touch you. Jesus said, you know, I mean, John, in First John says, we don't know yet what we will be, but we know that when he shall appear, we'll be like him. Well, Jesus said, you know, touch my hands. You know, the uh, spirit doesn't have flesh and bone as you see I have. And so it'll be real life. So what he's saying is, look, Chapter 7 is just despair, woe is me, what am I going to do, who's going to save me? Then chapter 8 comes in and says, look, you've been given the Spirit of God inside of you. And now there's no condemnation for you. The victory is won because He's going to raise you from the dead. And it says, if you're saved, you're not in the flesh anymore, but you're in the Spirit. And it says that uh, the righteousness of the law is being fulfilled in us. It's it's not talking about the righteousness that He gave us, which is perfect already, but it's talking about us walking in righteousness as the Spirit causes us to obey His commandments. Make sense? Y'all ain't saying nothing the whole time I was talking. Okay, I'm going to take a breath. Say something. Say something. What we were talking about yesterday, that that right there disproves the fact Remember I was telling you, somebody said I got saved in 2007, but 10 months ago I got the Spirit. So basically that right there dispels that. You either get it all at once or you don't get it at all. Yeah, if you, it says if you don't have the Spirit, you're not His. So you don't belong to Him. They got saved in 2007. They didn't have that Spirit. They were lost. That's right. That's the whole Pentecostal thing. I... I got saved here, and then I got the Holy Spirit there. You know about that, don't you, Michael? <laughs> got a bunch of them out where he lives up there. 
Is there any questions? Anything y'all don't understand you want to talk about? We're going to go even slower. Next week's just going to be verse 12 through verse 17. So it's five verses. So you're going to have plenty of time to just mull over those verses and take them apart. If at any time you don't understand, you got to stop me. The point is for you to understand what Paul's trying to teach. If I mean, it's not just to make it through the 45 minutes when we're talking. So I want you to, I mean, we can, I can do a whole nother... I mean, we're not on a schedule, so if you didn't, if you something you don't understand, we need to talk about. We can go back next week and finish it up or whatever. But you just gotta let me know if you don't understand, or you can call me and we can talk about it. You know, whatever. If you got questions or just whatever, my my job is to make sure you understand. You understand what's going on. And Romans is a good book for that. And this is probably this is the central chapter. In Romans 8, from 9 through 11 are going to talk about the Jew-Gentile thing and how Gentiles are being saved now. And then from 12 on, it's going to talk about, you know, okay, now how do we live? How do we live? Uh, so this right here is the culmination of what Paul has been arguing this whole time, you know, about sin and being lost. And now, well, now that we're saved, the Spirit leads us and all that kind of stuff. So how many people, if, if ever, let's assume assume everybody in here is born again. I don't know who is and who ain't. How many people, if all of us are born again, how many of us are led by the Spirit? All of us. It's got to be. Because it says, why, why is that? Because it says, if you're not... Oh, we're not to that part yet. Sorry. <laughs> in the next the next way it says, it says, for all those that are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Okay, so... Here it says, in the spirit or in the flesh. If all of us, assuming that we're all born again, how many of us are in the spirit? All of us. Because if you're not in the spirit, you're lost. Now, does that mean, uh, you know, does it mean I'm going to feel all tingly? Because I'm, you know, no. What it means is, what he's telling you is, you have a new heart that desires to obey. And that's what walking after the Spirit is. You're not keeping the letter of the law. You're keeping the law from your heart. See what I mean? That's the difference. It's not keeping rules just because they're rules and I'm trying to do good. I have a heartfelt longing to keep the rules. It don't even make sense, but I have the desire to keep the Ten Commandments, to do what God wants me to do. Do I do it all the time and make an A, 100 every day? No, of course not. But being in the Spirit, the Spirit has changed me to desire these things, to want these things. And if that desire is not there, then you're still in the flesh. See what I mean? Because whoever He justifies, He sanctifies. If you're not growing in holiness, uh, you probably heard Brother Eddie put it this way. If you've ever been saved, you're still being saved. And if you ain't still being saved, then you've never been saved. If He saved you, He put in